0: It's time for the Rutherford Report on
2: 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go.
0: Jeremy Rutherford spent three years doing mock drafts for the Athletic and picking out who the Blues would lose. And for the better part of the last year, I believe, Jr. if I'm not mistaken, it's pretty much been Vince Dunn, right? Congratulations. You join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Uh, it, you've had Vince Dunn as that name for a while, right?
1: Yeah, I think for the better part of a couple of years. And uh, I'll have to own up to this, but uh, you go back probably two years, and we were suspecting that David Perron might be the guy. So how things have uh, changed a bit. But, uh, but yeah, Vince Dunn. Uh, was the player selected, and I think that was probably the obvious choice here for the last eighteen, twenty-four months.
3: Well, Jar, what will the Blues miss out of Vince Dunn in his game?
1: Well, I think they're going to miss a great third pair guy. I mean, this guy can skate. He he's got good offensive instinct. He can help quarterback a, a power play, and uh, you know he's he's you know prone to a few turnovers. But he for what he does in that third pairing, playing fifteen, sixteen minutes a night. I think he did a pretty good job. And face it, uh, 22 years old on that Stanley Cup team, You know, he, he had a pretty good year that year. So I think they are going to miss a quality player. But things evolve. Things change. You have a Tory Krug now. You have a Scott Prinovich uh, coming up. And you know a lot of talk about this Blues defense being undersized. And you know, 203 Vince Dunn. I don't know if that's totally undersized, but he was on the smaller side. So I, I think they're going to try to uh, get a little bigger in that area.
2: So Jr. Uh, free agency. Correct me if I'm wrong. Will open up uh, next Wednesday. So about seventeen and a half million dollars available right now. And do you anticipate that the Blues would have clarity on Schwartz and Tarasenko by that time?
1: Yeah, breaking it down with Tarasenko so hard to read. Could they have a trade between now and next Wednesday? I think it would help them. Although Kerbs made a great point last night, Chris Kerber. You know, the Blues have $17 million in cap space, Dan. They could actually go out and sign a nice free agent like Alanda Kog, just using him as an example, and then address the Tarasenko situation uh, later on. So they do have the, the room to do that, but it sure would be a lot easier if Doug Armstrong was able to unload Tarasenko in the next six or seven days. And then uh, speaking to sources yesterday, uh, 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 Jaden Schwartz talked to Seattle about a contract, didn't get one done. There's a chance that they could circle back when free agency starts, so he could be gone to Seattle or somewhere else. But at this point, it looks like Jaden Schwartz is going to hit the market. And what about Tyler Bozak? I think he's on the back burner right now. I think the Blues like him. They're staying in touch with him. They realize that he's going to come cheaper than his last contract, $5 million, Randy. Could he be two, two and $2.5 for a couple years? 35 years old, but we saw last year how well he played. I think he could be a good, you know, fourth line player and even move to the right wing if you need him to.
3: And, JR, from a leverage standpoint, with Seattle not taking Tarasenko, what does that do for Doug Armstrong in his position as he tries to move Vladdy?
1: Yeah, a little bit uh, complicated. I, I think now that we take a step back and we look what's happened in the last uh, week or so, exposing him to Seattle, I think it was a pretty wise move. See if- Seattle takes them, see if they're able to flip them. If they do, that alleviates the problem that you've had trying to move them. But I don't think, as I wrote in the story this morning, that the Blues are in a bad position. Everybody you know, wants to jump and say they couldn't trade them before the draft. Seattle didn't take them. So now how are they going to unload them? Well, we're not playing hockey right now, so teams know that they have time. So now teams can circle back or Doug can reach out to them. And perhaps you come out even better in terms of, how much salary you need to retain as opposed to what they were asking you to retain prior to the draft? So I do think Tarasenko will get moved, and I think the Blues are going to do their best to free up some cap space. But listening to, to people around the league, you know Doug Armstrong, if he, maybe he can't get a Landeskog he knows he can't get one of those guys, perhaps he gets a player or two back in the Tarasenko deal. But we all know the inevitable is they're going to move him. We just don't know when. Do
2: you think the, there's any way they can move him without eating salary?
1: I don't think so, but it all depends on the structure of the deal, who's coming back and what Doug Armstrong's trying to accomplish right there. I just keep hearing the best deal available, the best deal available. Now, does that mean that they uh, retain 30, 40, 50% of Laddie's 15 million that they owe him? It's quite possible, but I think Doug's going to continue to search until he gets that number down. and, And if he can unload the entire 15 million, even better for the Blues.
0: Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. And by the way, he will be in the fast lane this afternoon from 2 to 6 here on 101 ESPN. JR, we mentioned earlier in the show that when the season opens, the Blues will have about half of the 20 players that dress for Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. If you can give us an idea of what you think the identity of the Blues will be going forward. It doesn't appear as if they're going to be a big, heavy team. So what do you think that Doug Armstrong is trying to build here?
1: Yeah. I heard you guys uh, talking about that. And with each move, you know, another guy leaves and you know, that, that happens. A lot of times it happens sooner than this. Uh, you know, Randy, you've been covering for a long time, Dan, Michelle, with uh look at the Chicago Blackhawks. They lost several players off their team the following year. Uh, Tampa Bay's losing guys. They lost Kevin Shattenkirk after they won it. Um, so I, I don't think this is an ordinary, uh, but I think in terms of their identity, yes, it's changing. That was a team that, you know, finished the checks, got into the zone, Uh, I think they still want to come at you with waves and they're going to try to do that. We didn't see a lot of it last year in part because of the injuries, Uh, but they, they just gotta, you know, learn to develop uh, the the skill and that type of hockey that we saw in that Stanley cup team and blend it together. It's a fast skilled league. And and you have a Jordan Cairo, a Robert Thomas, they come up seeing Patrick Kane, you know, that's the way they want to play. And I've talked to Craig Ruby about this. A lot of people, say that well maybe he doesn't like that he wants to dump the puck in and grind him down no that's not that's not it he wants to have a transition game he wants guys to be able to be good on the rush but the blues are going to have to find a way have to find a way to blend that with playing hard every night
3: jr looking at external options for the blues you mentioned Landeskog. where do you think they're at with the quest for matthew Kachuk?
1: I think that's kind of there, and they're probably exploring. I think more so, though, the exploring is being done on the Calgary side. Calgary's like, okay, do we need to trade him this summer? Can we wait till next summer? Does he want to be here? How do we find out if he wants to be here? You know, let's talk to him. And I, I do believe that Calgary's thinking, if we know that he's not going to sign here long-term after next year, we're going to have to move them. And then we've talked about this the past couple of weeks. I think the Blues are going to be one of a number of suitors there. So I do believe that Doug Armstrong's probably had conversations, but I don't think this is like an everyday deal or a couple times a week deal. I think they're waiting to hear what Calgary's going to do, and then they would respond accordingly.
2: How, uh, how quickly do you think the, move, uh, the Blues move next Wednesday when free agency hits on whatever target that may be or targets?
1: Well, you know, last year was a, a different year, obviously, with uh, COVID. But I think in a typical year, uh, Dan, with free agency, those big guys usually get their deals done. And, and we're talking day one, day two of uh, free agency. So while I said earlier that the Blues do have that $17 million in cap space if they don't sign anybody between now and then, like a Jaden Schwartz, you know, they're going to be able to go out and, and talk to guys, even if the Tarasenko situation isn't uh, clear. Uh, But with the Gabriel Landeskog, I mean, if you're not in at the beginning, which I know the Blues have expressed that interest, you know, you got to be quick on that situation. Otherwise, uh, you're going to lose them. So I think they will be. Doug has talked about all the time, you know, free agency starts at noon and they're on the phone at uh, 12.02 calling guys. So uh, I think they got their eyes on some guys. They're going to have some money to play with. And I think with the holes they have, they realize they're going to have to be aggressive.
0: JR, last thing for me, every beat writer at the Athletic was asked about the possibility of their team trading a first rounder, and I thought you gave a very good reason for why you don't think the Blues will move theirs.
1: Yeah, mine is, and Doug Armstrong could get bold like he has in the past and move that first round pick in a package. You know, if he finds the right deal for Tarasenko and it includes moving a first round pick, perhaps he does it. Uh, But, Randy, the cupboard's bare. I mean, when I do uh, stories about the Blues system and the prospects, we'll be talking a lot about that in the next couple days with the draft, the amateur draft coming up Wednesday. Uh, The Blues don't have a lot coming up. Their guys are here at Cairo, and and Perinovich is coming. So after that, there's not much there. So first-round pick, 17th overall. It's the highest pick they've had since 2010 when Tarasenko and Schwartz were taken. The Blues need to restock the system. This would be a great way to do it.
3: Uh, one more for me, JR. Since the Kraken did just draft their team last night, what did you make of the the team that Seattle put together?
1: You know, it's funny. I was watching the draft with my wife, and she knows her hockey a little bit, but as she watched the uh, draft, Michelle, she kept saying, Who is this guy? When are <laughs> they going to pick a good player? Like, isn't this supposed to be a who's who of, you know, who they're picking off of each team? So I, I thought they got some. Good players. They got a great leader in Mark Giordano. I'm sure that he'll be a captain. I know he's 37. Uh, Yanni Gord off a two-time Stanley Cup team in Tampa Bay, and Jamie Alexiak. So now, what's Alex Ferrario going to talk about uh, now that Alexiak (laughs) is with uh, Seattle? (laughs) I'm kidding. I've been doing the same. So I think they got a pretty good team, uh, even though uh, not a lot of uh, names. What they did there, guys, is uh, left themselves with a ton of cap space to go out into free agency or trades and make some deals and. I think that team will look a lot different, a lot better by the time the season starts.
2: Boy, you are a true romantic to be hanging out and watching the expansion draft with your wife. Man, oh man. Did you get her some flowers That's or something, right. too, or what?
1: Hey, Danny, I was working. She uh, she stepped into the room and decided to sit down and watch it. And, hey, if we got uh, two quick seconds, I want to tell you, you're talking about how old you are when you go to your first Cardinal game. I was uh, three years old. Uh, Bob Force's no-hitter was my first game in 1978. And, uh, Danny, this ties into you. I always told myself that whenever I take my son to his first Cardinal game, I'm going to take a bunch of pictures, save the ticket, and frame it hanging in his room. Uh, Randy and Michelle, Danny was nice to flip me tickets for the family one night. We went down there, had a great night for my son Eli's first game, and now we have a nice framed picture with the tickets hanging on the wall. That's That's
0: phenomenal. That's awesome. Love to hear that. And, uh, Jr., was it an error on REITs or should it have been a hit?
3: (laughs) Especially you know at three, Andy? you should have known. Yeah, you have an opinion at three.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't believe <laughs> JR, thanks for you, the time. Love to have you with I'm us. Have to, I'm about to go back and look at the highlight now. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I do. <You> guys <laughs> have, have a
0: great day. We'll be tuned in this afternoon. Thanks, guys. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues He's Insider, great. who will be with us in the fast lane.
4: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard.